0: turning with me this evening to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4, verse 14. He said, seeing then that we have a great high priest, somebody say great high priest, who is he? He's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, Or some translate that confession. Does Jesus work with what we say? Yes, he does. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You hear people saying, people that don't know God, you know. If there is a God, they say, how would he know about our little pitiful lives down here? Or would he even care? Yes, he cares. And he is touched. With the feelings of our weaknesses. And it goes on to describe why. How many know that He keeps track of even every hair on your head? Well, if He keeps track of that, then He keeps track of everything in your life. He knows and He cares. Don't believe the devil's lies. He goes on to say, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. Tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now what's the specific time of need he was referring to in this passage? The time of temptation. Time of temptation. Do you need something when you're tempted? Yes, sir. Yeah, you do. Did you know uh, Jesus, it said he was tempted in all points like as we are. And the scripture says, you know, when he was led into the wilderness and tempted 40 days and nights, that there was a period there where there appeared an angel strengthening him and helping him. Well, even Jesus needed help, didn't he? And God sent him supernatural Strengthening that enabled him to do what? What's going on out there for those 40 days and nights? He's being tempted. We're told three of the biggest major things he was tempted in. And he needed strength and help to do what? To resist the temptation and not yield. Not give in. So he must have been pulled. Now we know from this scripture, Jesus was tempted. That's almost a foreign thing to many churches and many Christians. They don't even like for you to say it. Because even though it it hasn't necessarily been spoken out loud, the implication is that Jesus is too holy and pure to be tempted. Well, he was and is holy and pure. But he was also tempted in all points, just like us. Now, I've gone over it again and again, but I'm going to keep going over it because it's so important. We need mind renewal in this area. Is it a sin to be tempted? No. No, because Jesus never committed sin. He was tempted in all points like us, yet without sin. Proving it's not a sin to be tempted. Amen. The sin occurs when you yield to the temptation, when you enter into the temptation, as other scripture says. The reason I say that is because the enemy has millions of believers convinced that they are substandard and inferior because they are tempted. Hmm. That something is internally wrong with them. Because they're tempted to do stuff that's not right. And he'll bring thoughts to your mind. And he'll bring suggestions and feelings to you. And then if you yield to the thought and you're sitting there thinking about it or considering it. And part of you is interested in it and wants to do it. Then he'll come and say, look at you supposed to be a christian thinking about this looking at this you're a pitiful excuse for a christian are you even saved we got millions of christians in all kind of condemnation simply because of the temptation should you feel condemned because you were tempted should jesus have felt condemned because he was tempted if Jesus was tempted, why would we think we're inferior when we're tempted? How many believe the Scripture, Jesus was tempted? In how? Just like us. In all points. Go to the second chapter, please. Let's read this and, and remind ourselves, because it all goes together. Chapter 2, verse 14 of Hebrews. says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, himself, likewise, took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus, if you read the first chapter that goes with this, he was differentiating Jesus from angels. Jesus did not take upon himself an angelic form. He took upon himself what form? Flesh there it is right there right, flesh and blood, just like who just like me and you. keep reading, it goes on to say, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. that's us. Wherefore in all things, how many things? Amen. Tell me again, how many things? Amen. In all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That's us. How many things was he made like us? All. How many ways was he tempted like us? All, all means what? All. So then he wasn't just partially like us, in all ways, in all areas. He was made and He experienced everything that we do. Every temptation, every feeling, every feeling of weakness, every pull to do wrong, He experienced it all, just like us. Yet, without sin. He never gave in, never yielded, proving you don't have to. Prove, because He did it as a man. Not as God. Though he was God, is God, he didn't operate as God in this. He operated as a man. He was made like other men, Philippians says. Now, it goes on to say, In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest, in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted... He is able to succor or to help them that are tempted. Now, I don't know whether you've thought much about it or read much about it or not, but there are whole groups of theologians that don't agree with what we've said already here tonight. Oh no, they, no, Jesus could not be tempted to lie. Jesus could never be tempted to commit fornication. Jesus could never have been tempted to disobey God. Never, no, could not be. Well then he wasn't like us. You can't have it both ways. How many with me now? If he's never been tempted to sin, then he's not like me. he's not like you. If he's never been pulled to do something wrong, then he how can he relate to me? How does he know yeah. Some say well well he's God, he could know. no I'm quoting you the argument that's in the scripture. Yes. It's telling us this is how and why he is a merciful and faithful high priest. Because he has been here. He has done it. He's experienced it all. And overcame it all. And because of that, he can help you. And me. No matter what it is. And I know people have done it before. They've looked up and go, God, you just don't understand. You don't know what it's like to be a man like me. Yes, he does. He knows exactly what it's like. He's been here. He's experienced it all. And did not cave. Did not yield. Proven. It could be done. And he is the standard. That every man and woman is going to be measured by. And judged by. That's why we have to repent. When we do miss it. When we do sin. If we couldn't help it, if it wasn't our fault, we shouldn't be held accountable. We shouldn't have to repent. The reason we have to repent is because we didn't have to fall. We could have resisted. Now some people will try to convince you, oh, I, I did my best. It was just bigger than I could take." No, no, I'm sorry. The Bible says otherwise. The Bible says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. Glory to God. I have to believe that. Hmm? And then I got Jesus I'm looking at, who never gave in, proving it could be done. Hallelujah. Somebody say, He's my hero. And when you grow up, who are you going to be like? <laughs> just like Him. And if we're going to be like Him, we got to quit falling. We got to quit yielding. Now, even when you say that, you got whole camps that'll teach us and tell us, Oh, you're just old sinners saved by grace but you're just still old sinners and nobody can make it through a day without just sinning 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 because you're just an old sinner no no study the Bible you can't be both you were an old sinner now you have been saved by grace the Bible calls you saints have you missed it oh yeah but thank God for the blood by the blood You can be clean, even though you have missed it. But if we keep on yielding to temptation, every day or every other day, we're going to stay in a low level of living the Christian victorious life. Oh yeah, we're saved, and you know, when we die or when He comes, we'll go to be with Him. But we will have been robbed of the highest life we could have had. And I'm not willing to do that. How about you? Well, let me review just a little bit. We've learned that Jesus was tempted. We've learned that temptation is not a sin. And we learned by reading in Romans that sin shall not have dominion over you. We don't have to live in continual failure and yield into sin. And so the question comes up, what is sin? Now we went through a list of things the Scripture says is sin. The transgression of the law is sin. To him that knows to do good, and does it not, to him it's sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. But you can sum it up, we were looking in John and other places, sin has to do with what you see and what you know. Sin is a violation of light. And the scripture says sin is not imputed when there's no law, when you don't know what is the right and the wrong. Jesus talked about this in John, you know, when he healed the man that was blind. The religious leaders came and he said, I'm come that those that are blind might see and those that see might be made blind. And they said, what, are we blind too? He said, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. But now you say we see. So your sin remains. Now now did you hear that first phrase? If you were blind, what? You wouldn't have sin. That's what Romans talking about. Sin is not imputed when you don't see. You're not held accountable for the sin. Now that doesn't mean that you won't reap some ill effects. But you're not sinning before the Lord. I mean if you were from another planet and you didn't know about the law of gravity. And you decided you'd step off of a two-story building. well, that doesn't mean you wouldn't break your leg. Right? You could be laying there going, I didn't know this. I didn't know it was a law. Well, then you're not, you know, before the Lord, you wouldn't be guilty of sin, but you still got a broke leg. (laughs) Are y'all with me now? See the difference here? People are transgressing some things ignorantly, but you shouldn't call it sin before the Lord. Sin has to do what you should repent of, what you're guilty of, and what you need to repent of, you see. You knew it was wrong. So sin has to do with what you know is wrong. But now this is all convoluted with people all over the place because of a number of things. Let me name three of them. Because of people's dishonesty. We touched on that and talked about that. People see, but they say they don't. This happens all the time. And friend, if you do this, you'll cut yourself off from grace. Because the Bible says, if you confess your sin and forsake it, you'll have mercy. But if you cover it up, you won't prosper. Hmm? I mean, if you're not even admitting what you see or that you've missed it or that you're wrong, you're not dealing with it. You're going on in the sin, and it's going to just keep costing you and keep costing you. Honesty about what we see is paramount. Isn't it? We must be honest about what we know inside ourselves is wrong. And don't compare yourself to somebody else. And don't keep asking other people what they think. If it bothers you inside, stop it. Quit looking for somebody else's list. Is this a sin? Is that a sin? What do you think? What do you think? Sin before the Lord is violation of light. What you see and what you know. And God has mercy on us on what we don't know. That's what John's talking about. If we walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of his son cleanses us. From all sin. That cleanse is a present tense continuum. It's cleaning and keeps on cleaning. What is that? If we're walking in the light of what we know. The blood keeps us clean of what we don't know. And what we don't see. Glory to God. This is the mercy of God. Which enables us. How many understand God being as pure as he is. Don't you think he sees every speck of impurity in us. So how can he treat us as righteous as Jesus? How can he receive us into his own presence and treat us as holy? That's what the Bible's talking about. If we walk in the light that we know, the blood of his Son cleanses us night and day. So yeah, there's some stuff there. How many looking back even a few years... There were some things you were doing, you didn't see how wrong they were. And you grew some, you know, if you'd have paid more attention, there was a little something bothering you about it, but you were just carnal enough that you just were, you, had, and you thought you had other bigger problems anyway at the time, so <laughs> you were dealing with that. But how many think, from where we are now, God could take us that much further, yeah. until we could look back and go, oh man, <laughs> why didn't we see that? But... Do we have to wait to... I mean, that would be after this life, I guess. Do we have to wait till some other time before God will treat us like we're clean? Before He'll fellowship with us like there's nothing between us and Him? No, if you walk in the light, walk in the light you see and know, do what you know. Walk in what you see. The blood of the Lamb will cleanse you from the rest of it while you're learning. Oh, isn't he merciful? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he good? Oh, he's so good. You know, God could shine his light of searching purity and fire on us and examine us and show us everything that's not like the master. And we'd just go, oh God, just kill us. Just put us out of him. Oh, he's not interested in that, but he'll show us something. And we'll make some improvement. He'll go, oh, that's good. That's good. How I many know when your two and three-year-old comes up and shows you a little drawing? Not just be a stick man, but you go, oh, that's good. that's good. You don't compare them to some master that's 60 years old and go, what is this? Looks like a stick. <laughs> no, that's just mean. Yeah. How many understand you should compare it with where they're at? And if they're doing everything they know to do, not with somebody else where they're at. And so we'll make an improvement. And the Lord will go, oh, that's good. That's good. You've made a lot of progress there. This is good. And you're feeling like, well, man, I've I've just about got there now. And they'll go, yeah, that's good. But let me show you this. There is a, a thing over here I'd like for you to see. And you go, oh, oh, Okay. And there's another thing too. Oh, two things. Oh, okay. And then there's one over here. Three things. What you don't know is there's 33,000. But he's just going to show you three today. How many thank God he's so good? And then you'll get some of those three done and you go, Glory to God, I got all three of them. Lord, here go. That's excellent. Oh, that's good. And you just rejoice maybe for two or three weeks. And then you feel like you're about to arrive. And he'll go, well, there is something else I'd like to talk to you about. (laughs) And we need to be the same way with each other. Don't say everything you see. Did you hear me now? Just because you see it and just because you know it. How many know the first thing you need to do is get that log out of your eye? And take care of your own business. But just because you see something does not mean you're supposed to correct somebody or even bring it up. I don't care how clearly you think you see it. That includes your spouse. Mm. And it includes your children. It includes your friends. It includes your leaders. Did you hear me? This is something that many Christians have not learned. They see it. They're going to say it. You know. For one thing, they want everybody to know I saw something. Because it's kind of a unique thing. Don't happen all the time. You don't have to say, you're not supposed to say everything you see and know. Sometimes it's just glaring you in the face and you just need to act like it's not even there. Just go, oh, that's good, honey. That's good. Yeah, that's a good job. (laughs) What about that? Today's not the day. It's not the time. Hmm? We just need to rejoice over this today. There will be a time. There will be a place. How much fussing and fighting could be avoided? If we'd pay attention to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Hmm? I mean there are times between husbands and wives. There are times over and over and over again. You get to a certain place in your discussion. And you know not to say that. But it's just a jumping around, jumping around, jumping around. And something in you wants to say it. And you know, don't say that. But what do people do so many times? No, they gotta say it. They gotta have their say and oh man. When they do, it just breaks things and it cuts things and it brings separation. May take weeks to get over it. Hmm? Well, but it was true. It was true. So what? It wasn't love. It wasn't faith. You weren't being led. Just because it's true and right does not mean you're supposed to say it. This is part of growing up, Amen. isn't it? Amen. I mean, you know this with your little kids. They come and they got, you know, blocks this big. Two plus two is four. Four. Fills up the whole page. (laughs) You don't hold it up and go, this is nothing. Let me tell you about algebra. (laughs) Geometry. (laughs) Calculus. Two plus two, give me a break. Two plus, I mean, a few minutes you can have them crying. Right? Two plus two, is this the best you can do? Two plus two? Does that prove you're so intelligent? proves the opposite if you had sense you'd be going that's great glory to God you did that by yourself no help from the teacher no help (laughs) it's outstanding you know that's the basis for all kind of things that you'll learn in the future you've already got the foundation excellent you're bright I can tell it just by looking at you you're smart you're bright you're good in math Hmm? Somebody say love, Love. grace, Grace. being led. led. How do we get off into all that? Well, there will be times when you're tempted to say the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. What should you do with that temptation? Resist it. Don't yield to it. And follow the Lord. Can we take some more of this? Where are you? Hmm, Hebrews 2? You know where you're going? Hebrews 3. That's where you are going. Right there close by. What are people tempted to do? Tempted to sin. What is sin? Violation of what you know. Everybody. Now listen to this. This is. Very important. Everybody who sins knew it was wrong. I'm going to say this again. Everybody who sins knew it was wrong. Elsewise, it wouldn't be sin. But why is it so confusing then? Because people confuse themselves. People are dishonest. About knowing it was wrong. When they need to deal with it. They need to talk to whoever about getting it straightened up. They want to lie. And go I didn't know. I didn't see. And friend that dishonesty will choke you. It will keep you in the sin. The dishonesty. And the deception. Are you there in Hebrews 3? Hebrews 3. Down about verse let's see. Uh, 8. 8. Hebrews 3, he said, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the day of what? Temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they've not known my ways. Now here you see a phrase of people tempting God. How does that work? Tempting him. Well, that's another night. <laughs> Let me give you a little phrase. Oftentimes that first generation stood out there and going, We're all gonna die out here in the wilderness. We're all gonna die out here. God just brought us out here to die. We're all gonna die, God said, You tempting me. <laughs> Well, that needs a lot of other teaching to go along with that, but <laughs> something to think on. How I many of oh, finance? what he told them that's exactly what's going to happen to you. You're going to die out here. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation. I said they do always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath. Can God get angry? They shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Can unbelief be sin? Yes, this is something sometimes we haven't seen enough of. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you, now get this, get this phrase, lest any of you what? Be hardened, be what? Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Last time we taught on this, we talked about sin is real. It is a definite thing. It's not a figment of somebody's imagination. There are some things that are just wrong. People try to. The Bible said fools make a mock of sin. They laugh about it. There are people that tell us we're just religiously brainwashed. There is no such thing as sin. Just do whatever you want to do. Sin is something that preachers and religions made up. No, sin is real. I mean, if there's no sin, there's no reason for Jesus to go to the cross. You understand that? This is serious business. No, sin is very real. And sin is a deceiver. And sin is a killer. You can't have the sin without the death. We talked about that last time. And that's the big lie. How many understand Adam and Eve standing out there by the tree? And he, the devil is trying to deceive them and, and con them. And he said, you won't surely die. If you eat of the tree, you won't die. That's a lie. What is he telling them? You can commit the sin and not get the death. You can do the crime and not pay the time. And that is the lie to every human being since then. You can get away with it. You can do it and it not cost you. And it's one of the biggest lies that's ever been told on the planet. Because God said the wages of sin is death. And every time you sin, there's going to come some death. Every time. Something's going to die in your life. Now, thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for cleansing. Thank God you can be restored. But how many understand it's just far better not to sin? Far better not to sin. So the sin is violation of light. And here he said, don't be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. People are dishonest about the sin. And you do that enough, you deceive yourself. Somebody say dishonesty. Dishonesty. Deception. Deception. Desensitizement. Desensitizement. Now you can get to a place where the Bible talks about having your conscience seared. There are all kinds of people around. And years ago when they first started doing that thing, it bothered them. They cried about it every time they'd do it. They'd go home and cry. They felt so grieved. They knew it was wrong. But instead of going around believers and going around the Word, they went to people that are doing it. And of course, what group do you know of that's in sin that tells you and advertises it's sin? No, what are they telling you? It's okay. It's a, They're telling you it's not sin, and they're telling you you can do it without the death. And friends, what we do not want is to be desensitized. When something bothers you, friend, when something bothers your heart and you feel like it's wrong, do not dare ignore it. And override it because every time we ignore it and override it and try to tell ourselves, ah, oh, it ain't no big deal. Ah, oh, it's okay. What happened? You just deceived yourself a little more and you just hardened yourself a little more. And you do that year after year. That's when you get bold about your sin. Are y'all with me now? And when you get bold about your sin, you are near judgment. Now we could look at numerous scriptures that talk about this, but that's the process. It's a dangerous thing to override in your heart what you know is wrong. I've seen it over and over again. It's this way with every one of us. When you're first born again, your heart's tender before the Lord. Isn't it? You do something wrong, man, it bothers you. That's a good thing. How many understand, if you're having pain, if you're back up too close to the fire, and you get a lot of pain, that's a good thing. The pain is telling you, we got problems back here. you got to get out of here. Right? Right? But what if your system gets dulled to the point and there are diseases around where people lose their sensation and they can put their hand on an eye and don't even know it? How many understand that's a terrible thing. You need your sensitivity for protection and to know when something's wrong. So when you do something or you say something, I don't care if other people go, Oh, that ain't no, no, you don't even need to bring that up. Hey, if it bothers you, you need to bring it up. Because to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. It's not an oversight. It's not a mistake. It's sin. And if every time something bothers us, if we just jump right on it and make it right and keep our heart clear and make the adjustments and make the changes and repent to God, repent to people if we need to, we will not get deceived. We will not get hardened and desensitized. We'll be safe. Say it out loud. Sensitive Sensitive. is safe. Glory to God. Glory to God. What are we tempted to do? Sin. What is sin? It's a violation of what you see and know. It's you doing something you know is wrong. And the big deal is you've got to admit you know it's wrong. And not kid yourself or try to con anybody else about it. I mean be a man, be a woman, step up, call sin, sin, say I knew it, I saw it. I'm sorry. What's your excuse? No excuse. I repent. It's sin. Call sin, sin, and you'll stay sensitive. There is a tempter. Anybody know who it is? There is a tempter. Jesus, the Bible said in Matthew 4, 1, He was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the tempter came to him in verse 3 and said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. The tempter, the who? Tempter. Tempter. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5 says, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter has tempted you. The devil is called the tempter. And he uses people as well to tempt you through them. And use them as tools of temptation. How many remember the religious leaders tried to tempt the Lord? The Bible said in Matthew nineteen three, the Pharisees came to him, tempting him. In Matthew twenty two, eighteen, he perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you tempt me, you hypocrites? So the enemy's the tempter, and he also uses people. But go with me to James. Boy, this is important. This will be a good place for us to unhook. Jump back into it next time. Say it out loud. Sin, Sin shall, not shall not have dominion, have dominion, over, dominion over, me. over me. James 1. James 1 and 12. Blessed is the man that does what? He does what? Is there a blessing? When you don't give in? When you don't yield to sin? Is there a blessing? Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he'll receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Glory. Let no man say. Now when the Bible says, don't let anybody say this. What should you do? You should see to it that you never say it. Say what? I am tempted of God. Do you know a lot of people are saying this? In different ways? Various forms and ways? I mean, it's just all popular in other religions. And sadly in Christians as well. Well, God was putting me to the test. He was, well, there is a thing of proving. We'll talk about that. But here's the specific thing to know. Keep reading. Don't let anybody say, I'm tempted of God. Why? Because God cannot, somebody say, cannot, be tempted what? With evil to do wrong or evil, neither tempts he any man, and I would add that phrase, to do evil, to do wrong. There's no way God has ever or will ever tempt or pull anybody to do anything wrong. He can't be tempted to do. Now, Jesus was tempted, we know. God the Father cannot be. And he's never going to tempt you to do something wrong. Now there's a lot more to this than this one side of it, but we can get this settled for sure. If something is pulling you to do something wrong, who do you know it's not? (laughs) It is not God, never will be God. Pulling you to do wrong. Keep reading. He goes through the Holy Spirit through James here, goes through the process exactly how it happens. Temptation we're talking about. This is the truth about temptation, isn't it? This is the truth right here in the book. And it's the truth about temptation. Keep reading. How does temptation occur? Well, before we go any further, what's the first thing you wanted to establish? God is not the one tempting you to do evil. Get that straight before you ever go further. It's not God. But then what's going on then? We know it's not God. So who is it? There is a tempter. We've read about that. And then there's somebody else involved in this. You. Keep reading. Every man. So who does this apply to? Every man. This is everybody that's ever been tempted or ever will be tempted, which is Everybody. Every man is tempted when what happens? He or she is drawn away of what? His own lust. That's not God. That's not the devil. That's not your brother. That's not your mama. Your sister. Your best friend. Who is that? That's you. Your And lust, don't let that word throw you. When people hear the word lust, they think sexual things. No, it could include that, but it's a whole lot bigger than that. The definition is longing. Longing or craving. You long for something. You crave for something. He said... Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own longing and what? And enticed. Well, there'd be the tempter there. But what's he working with? Your longing. Can you see already that's the pivotal thing? What if the enemy doesn't have much of that to work with? If he's got less of that to work with, it's going to be easier on you. If he's got more of it to work with, it's going to be harder on you. Let me read this to you from other translations. The ESV says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But every person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire." The desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. There's a deceitfulness of sin. Listen to the complete Jewish Bible. No one being tempted should say, I'm being tempted by God. 14. Each person is being tempted when he's dragged off and enticed by the bait of his own desire. The easy to read says... Whenever you feel tempted to do something bad, you should not say, God is tempting me. Evil cannot tempt God, and God himself does not tempt anyone. You're tempted by the evil things you want. Your own desire leads you away and traps you. Now listen to this. Your desire grows inside you until it results in sin. And then the sin grows bigger and bigger and finally ends in death. But where does it start? Where was the beginning point? The desire for the wrong thing. Now, we've talked about the, the cat story. <laughs> feed the cat. Cat stays and gets bigger. Don't feed the cat. Cat gets smaller and goes away somewhere else. That's the way desire is. And there are some things it's just wrong For you and me to want. Did you hear me? And you hear. I've heard preachers. I've heard preachers say. Well you know. It's okay to look. Just don't touch. It's okay to look. Just don't touch. Well where's that at in the scripture? What does looking do? Looking feeds desire. It's okay to look. If it's something it's okay for you to have. But if it's something you're not supposed to have, something it'd be wrong for you to have, if you're smart, what will you do? Cut off whatever would feed the desire. Because what's the process? You keep looking and you keep thinking. And here's the thing. The first time you look and think, if you pay attention, your heart bothers you. And you go, no, you're not supposed to be thinking about that. You're not supposed to have that. You're not. That's theirs. That's wrong. You're not supposed to. And if you ignore it, because people don't know what you're doing inside. But if you ignore it, and you know you shouldn't be thinking about it, but here's the lie. If you don't cut it off immediately, you just showed the devil something. Friend, that was worth staying late tonight, I'm telling you. If you don't cut it off immediately, you just... The devil doesn't know everything. You just told him something. What did you just tell him? You just told him he's got something to work with in you. So what's he going to do now? He's going to get to work enticing. He's going to get to work dangling the carrot. Bringing thoughts. Bring in feelings. Why? Because he sees you're willing to entertain them. And here's the lie. Same lie that got Adam and Eve. We're not going to do it. We're just going to look. And friend, this is happening on the internet. Oh, man. Oh, Christians. Christians by the millions, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to contact them. I'm not going to act on any of this. You already are. If you're as strong as you're trying to tell yourself you are, you wouldn't be doing this. The fact that you're looking and thinking proves you're weaker than you think you are. Remember, uh, I've told this before, I was, drove by a place one time, and saw a new car on the lot, caught my eye. I got out, and I walked out there, and salesman come up, and he said, can I help you? I said, oh, I'm, I'm just looking. He said, that's how it starts. <laughs> that has stuck with me ever since. That is how it starts. Read this again. Read the process. How does this work? The wages of sin is death. Romans told us this. But here in James, he lays it out step by step how it goes from inception of the sin before the sin is committed to death. After the sin has brought to fruition. Read it out loud with me. What does it say? How does the sin work? The temptation work? Every man is tempted when? When he or she is drawn away of what? their own longing, then what happens? See, if the desire came up and you go, that's wrong, I should not be thinking about that, and you cut it off, it never gets any worse. That's it. Now, it may come up another 50 times during the day, but if you cut it off every time, that's as far as it'll ever go. Right? And you don't tell up the devil, you know, all your insides. But if you know it's wrong, and yet you say, well, certainly I'm not going to do this. But I'm just going to think about it a little bit. I'm just going to look at this a little bit. I'm just going to read this a little bit. How many understand, this is the first step towards death. Keep reading. What happens? When lust has conceived... You're drawn away of your own longing and desire and enticed. And when the longing has conceived, it brings forth what? Sin. Sin. Now, people try to tell us, oh, we can't be sure about the connection between watching all the violence and people committing violent crimes, watching all the pornography and people doing it. Are you kidding me? It's a law. It's a law. You feed on it long enough, you going to do it. It's a law. Now see, the devil will lie to you and go, Oh, no, no, you're a good Christian. You'll never do that. You just are looking at it for objective reasons. and You can learn how to minister to people that are in this. But, of course, you're never going to do it. No, we know you're never going to do it. How do you think he got Adam and Eve out there to the tree? I know y'all are not going to eat at the tree, you know, but what would it hurt to look? I mean, it's a pretty tree. You got to agree on that. I mean, it's a good looking tree, right? Oh, come on. And Is it sin to look at the tree? Actually, it is. Because to him that knows to do good, you know better than to be looking at it. It is a sin. Jesus clarified it. In the area of a man looking on a woman to lust, didn't he? He said it was. Why? Because it's of the heart. Friend, I'm talking about things that will make it easy on us. Things that will keep us from getting into a place where we're so pulled and pressured to yield. We can make it easy on ourselves. We can cut it off before it ever gets going. What happens? When the lust has conceived, he didn't say sometimes, it brings forth sin. And of course, once you do it, the devil will tell you, well, see, nobody knows. You just got to be careful. You got to be careful. You got to watch everything. And of course, lie. Where were you? You got to have a good story. And then you tell lies to cover up the lies. So somebody say deception. And I understand the more you keep doing it, what's happening to your heart? Hardening it. You are desensitizing yourself. And you are deceiving yourself. And that's how people get to the place where, you know, uh, they can't even tell anymore. They come in, it's obvious they're doing drugs. And they think nobody's got a clue. It's obvious that they're drunk. It's obvious they smell, they look, and they think everybody's clueless. Because they have become so hardened and deceived. And if you keep sinning, what's working now? What's coming? Death's already working in you, but you're coming to a cataclysmic death. You're coming to a complete death in some things. A total destruction in some areas. Where could it have been stopped? Come on, help me out, guys. Where could it have been stopped? The desire. When you know. But see. This comes back to where we begin. We got Christians all over the place. They won't even admit they're tempted. So they're obviously not dealing with it. But you got to admit it to yourself. This tempts me. Now you don't have to run around and tell everybody. But you got to admit it to yourself. This tempts me. So what? Other people might be able to be around it. Some. I can't. Something on that street tempts you. Don't even drive by. People think you're silly. You don't have to explain yourself to everybody. Just don't go by there. Right? Why? Because it makes you want to look. It makes you want to think about it. Be honest with yourself about what tempts you. Because if you can cut it off in that early stage, you give Him nothing to work with. And if you refuse to feed it, it cannot grow. The desire cannot grow and gets so strong that you wind up doing it. Stand up on your feet, everybody.